Broadcasting from Orchard Park, New York, and Boca Raton, Florida, you are listening to Freight 360. Whether it's breaking news, tips to increase your business, or just some good old sports talk, this podcast is all about having a conversation about the world of freight. I'm your host, Nate Cross. And Benjamin Kowalski. Let's talk freight. All right, welcome back for episode 90 of Freight 360. Ben, we've got it, we've got an awesome one today. Today we're gonna talk all about how to plan your day out as a freight broker, all about some tips and tricks to make sure you're handling your time management properly. And we're gonna talk through what, it, what an average day in the life of a freight broker, what it looks like, you know, mornings, afternoons, the you know, the middle of the day, and you know, some some tools that you can use to make your job a little bit easier to get through each day and make sure it's efficient as possible. Uh, but first, if you're a first-time listener, thanks for joining us on Freight 360. If you've been here for a while, thanks for coming back and welcome back to Freight 360. There's 89 other episodes. Um, so make sure to hit that subscribe button. You get the latest content every Friday. That's Thursday night, midnight, Friday morning at 12 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We got a little sports rundown. We got a special one this week, Ben. Yeah, a special guest. I know. I'm anxious to kick off the sports here. Yeah, who, do we so, have, who do we have with us, Nate? Yeah, so so obviously last week I was uh, I was down in Florida, got to hang out with you, and uh, this week I'm I'm up in Hilton Head, South Carolina, uh, hanging out with my wife's family. Got a, a nice little VRBO house here in um, the Caligny's Hilton Head ish area. I don't really know Hilton Head that well, but it's beautiful, and I've got uh, so my brother in law John. We call him Jan. He's uh, he's hiding right now, playing with his dog, but. His, uh, his lovely girlfriend, Mary Margaret Johnson, is a digital sports reporter for Channel 4 in Buffalo. MMJ, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So um, quick quick sports rundown here. I wanted to talk about real quick the, the comeback when it comes to, you know, sports and fans in general. Fans in the stands and sports are all back. We don't have any condensed baseball this year. We got the full season. Hockey's rolling into its, uh, you know, its playoffs and everything right now. But um, awesome to see, you know, everyone making a comeback in the sports world. Um, so, Ben, I'm going to I'm going to hit you up on some golf stuff here in a minute. But Mary Margaret, what what have we uh, what have we been seeing with fans back in the stands? Anything fun or exciting or any good stories? I know you so you do a lot of reporting for local stuff in Western New York. Um, but how's the vibe having fans back out of this year? It's not you're not just doing it all virtual anymore. I know. So in the fall, when I was reporting back in Buffalo, there were only a couple of fans, like two people per player for all the fall sports, which were soccer, field hockey. Um, They got to be just like two parents per student. Um, Mm -hmm. And then obviously through the bills, they didn't have any fans in the stands up until the um, the playoffs games, which you guys were there and you guys had a really great time. Um, We sure did. But for all the indoor sports, there were no fans in the stands in all of Western New York. I'm pretty sure New York state in general. Um, But now fans are starting to come back. There's, you know, they're getting more people in the stands for, you know, I think each week there's, you know, that they have, we're at 20%. Now they're at 50%. So it's just nice being around people. And whenever I'm shooting any kind of games or anything, there's just a lot of, there's actual crowd noise, I, which I, I've missed. I wanted to bring this up though, That's too. Awesome. You, we, so we were talking about this the other day is there's almost like this hangover though of sports because there was no sports for almost, you know, a half of a year in 2020 with COVID shutting everything down. And now everyone's been overloaded with sports and it's, I can't even watch it all anymore. I can't, I, like I told you before, I, I don't watch any basketball right now. I, have watched hardly any hockey this year, even baseball. I'm watching it less than I did last year. So 
Um, it's crazy to, I mean, you, this is your job, right? So you're probably overloaded in it too. I mean, it's a lot. And I, I told you, we were talking about this the other day. I was so excited when any kind of sport came back last year, I was watching baseball. I am a, I'm a Texas Rangers fan. Cause I grew up in Texas, but I was watching midday baseball, just anything I could get my hands on sports wise. And then when football season came around, football is obviously my favorite sport. So I was like all in for everything, you know, I had on sports center every morning, you know, Sunday, the Sunday morning NFL countdown. I was just so into it. And then it kind of got, cause we were still in, up in New York. There was not a lot going on. Right. It's just, just very few sports. There was only just one college football team, the Buffalo um, bulls that were playing in college wise up in Western New York. But I was trying so hard to get my sports fixed cause I'd missed it for so long. And then in the spring, I feel like I've been so overloaded and I just can't, I can't do it. I can't do it as much as I normally do. And I, I'm always been a big sports watcher and it's like right now I'm just a little bit, I'm kind of, am ready for the summer for everything to kind of cool off a little bit. So yeah, obviously you've had it and you know who else has had it is Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I don't, don't, does anyone know what he's going to do? I know uh, it sounds like some people say they want him to take a year off and others, you know, there's speculation, but I don't think anyone knows what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. So I think he's just living his life right now. He's out in Hawaii having a great time with his fiance, Shailene Woodley. And he's not, you know, he's just kind of hanging out. He's finally like sticking it to the Packers after they um, drafted Jordan Love in the first round last year. And he's just like, you know what? I'm just going to kind of leave you guys hanging and wanting more. And then whatever happens, I guess Aaron will let us know. He'll let us know when he lets us know. Other, he started other, his career same as Roethlisberger, didn't he? Same year? I couldn't tell you. I don't know the specifics on that one. The only reason I said I thought I saw a comparison when they were talking about his situation versus Ben's in regards to them kind of at the end of their career and, like you said, waiting to just see and really pretty much build up his leverage. Yeah. Hopefully he negotiates a decent deal. And other deals, Julio Jones, the Falcons are looking to get rid of him, and they're, they're fielding all kinds of offers, including – first round picks for next year. And uh, Jan over here thinks the bills need another star receiver on the team. Um, I'd give up a, a first round pick, you know, in hopes for a Super Bowl ring. That's, that's my thoughts. Mary Margaret. I think that if he doesn't go to the bills, I don't want Julia or I have Julio. Julio. <laughs> Julio Hones. <laughs> you know, you know, what's funny is I used to call him when I was back in TV in Texas, I wanted to call him either Julio Jones or Julio Hones. I feel like the Julio Jones, the J the alliteration, right? Yeah, It needs, it is alliteration, but it needs yeah. a little bit more. Um, but Julio Jones, I would like to see him um, not come to a team in the AFC just so he, uh, Stays out of the yep. Bills' way. Yeah. All right. NHL. Make this quick. Um, a lot of the a lot of the series are starting to to finish up here. The only one I want to point out is how idiotic the uh, Edmonton Oilers are. They I think they were down two nothing in the series to um, the Jets, right? Winnipeg. Winnipeg, and they're up four to one the other night. They lost or they let three goals in in a matter of like three seconds. It was like three minutes. Go to overtime and lose in overtime. So they blew that and ended up getting swept four to nothing. So NHL, I don't know. I haven't followed a whole, whole bunch of it. Um, the Cross Kowalski Golf Classic last week, we didn't talk about the outcome because we recorded before we played. Um, That's true. Trey won. You came in second, Ben. And I think I shot like a 98 or 99. It was rough. We all shot like seven or eight strokes. Really windy day. It was so windy. So yeah. windy. 
Um, and if anyone wants to know, if you saw on LinkedIn, the video of Trey coming out of the bunker there, pretty sure he missed that putt. He did miss that putt. Yeah. He did not make it. Um, yep. That was the post that I kind of threw out there, but it was a nice so, bunker shot. Yeah, it was a great bunker shot. It looked really, really good. Um, finally, to wrap up sports, Ben with PGA, golf. Phil oh. Mickelson at 50 years old. And speaking of Phil, did you see July 6th, the celebrity pro matchup? I think it's down here too, isn't it in Florida? I didn't see where it is, but it's Tom Brady and Phil versus Aaron Rodgers and Bryson DeChambeau. And the memes that Tom Brady's been tweeting are just absolutely outstanding. I don't know you if you saw them at all. To me. You, saw, you know how at the, um, at the tournament last weekend, DeChambeau walked behind Brooks Kepka and heckled something. And Brooks is like, well, after I hear that BS, like whatever. So Tom Brady takes that a still photo from that um, interview and starts putting like all kinds of memes together about it. And oh, <laughs> dude, it's, it's going to be a great one. I hope they're mic'd up just like they were last year when um, Brady and Phil played together and it'll be good. I'll tell you what, Tom Brady it was really good. so much better at social media since he left the, uh, the Patriots. He is so <laughs> much more entertaining now. And I think it's like he's in the Florida state of mind, Tampa Bay state of mind. He's just living his, he's also living his life and he's having a great time. You know what they say, when you get old and you live in uh, the Northeast, you have to snowbird and eventually migrate down South. So maybe he's just, he's, you know, getting ready for retirement. Who knows? (laughs) Heaven's little waiting room down here, right? Yeah, absolutely. So good, uh, good sports little rundown there. Got to get a little extra in there and MMJ. Thanks for having you on. You know, appreciate it. Much obliged. Pleasure meeting you. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, uh, Freights 360, guys. We had a great time. Yeah, awesome. All right, Ben. We got a good, good show today. Uh, but first, we got to mention our friends over at DAT. Obviously, a, a great sponsor of ours. Check out the episode notes. You get a free month of DAT Power, which is what I use on a daily basis, or DAT Express or DAT Trucker's Edge. So whether you are a freight broker or a carrier or both, they've got options for all of you. They are the leader in the load board community for freight brokers and for motor carriers. So check them out. You can go to DAT.com or check the episode notes. And we're going to have obviously way more information on our soon to launch brand new Freight 360 website, which I'm really excited for. As well as a free month. If you aren't using it now, go and pull a link from the show notes for a free month, sign up, get access to, I think, pretty much everything for that first month. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. The only things that are not included in that is some of like the carrier onboarding stuff, the um, carrier vetting and some of the um, really, really deep down uh, uh, pricing and lane metrics tools from uh, RateView. So, but check them out. All right. A day in the life of a freight broker, how to plan your day out. The reason we wanted to do this episode is, you know, when it comes to coaching, a lot of times, and not just, not, so coaching for you a lot, which you've done in the last handful of years, but me with agent development with a lot of the folks that I work with, um, a lot of times they lose structure in their day or they don't know what to expect, or maybe their company trained them poorly. They might have a bad mentor or, you know, management system in place. So um, do you see this as a big struggle, Ben, folks that don't know how to plan their day out, they prospect at the wrong time or they don't do something at all. So 
the approaching your day reactively and just letting your day run you, I think is the overwhelming vast majority of people in this industry. And even over the past two weeks, I've had the opportunity to work directly with some of our coaching clients where I've literally been sharing screens with them and working through some of the days and really seeing again, what their issues are they're running into and what they really need help with. And this is by far the first and foremost area where you can get more efficiency, where it's going to help you make more money. And what I really wanted to point out too, like, I don't think it's necessarily anybody's fault too. I think in a lot of ways, brokers are a victim of their own success. And what I mean by that is as you get better at selling and as you bring on more customers, especially for the majority of our audience and a lot of the brokers that we talk to out there, they get that extra business. They close one or two two or three more customers per quarter. And over those few months, they start getting more business. They've got more loads to cover. They've got more trucks to deal with, got more communication back and forth. And they actually have to provide the service to those customers. Very, Very quickly, even for the very good brokers, we see them lose control of their hours, of their days. And they just fall into this mode where they're like just trying to keep up and never getting to growing again. Yeah. By far. So think about it. Last week, we did that coaching session with the TIA and it really, really hit me how easy it is to get into the freight brokering industry. And the danger to that is that, you know, because of such a low barrier to entry, folks that don't have the proper training or guidance on, on how to manage their day and what to do and how to get stuff done and how to get started, this, the failure rate is so high. And we saw, you know, obviously the, the folks that were on that coaching session last week, they cared enough about their success that they invested some time and money into getting coached through TIA and we helped out with that. But, you know, simple things like basic knowledge and how to structure your day out and, and when to do what and all that stuff um, if you don't have someone in your corner to kind of guide you and give you feedback on that, you're not helping yourself. Agreed. So, I mean, one of the things we'll mention is that like, we're going to be launching the group coaching, which is going to be done weekly, which we're going to be able to provide some of those guidance for anybody out there that's looking for it. But here's the other thing that I think is very important when we talk about coaching or getting better at literally anything. I think the expectations that people also have for these things are maybe not realistic. And I'm going to, what I mean a little bit about that is that I think people look at coaching and they go, I need to get better at how I do my job. And then they sign up for a coach and they think that in just that hour a week or that hour every other week is going to be enough to change the habits that you have created over sometimes years, sometimes decades. It is not. Yeah. Just like sports is, the, I think, my favorite analogy for this. Like if you were playing baseball, you wouldn't expect to be able to get better at hitting by just spending an hour a week with a hitting coach. You would spend an hour with him and then you've got to spend five or six or however many hours a week practicing what that coach told you. You need to actually allocate time and then use your energy to work on these things to actually get better at them. Yep. So coaches are not there to solve your problems. They're there to coach you on how you can help solve your problems right? and how to become better. And then it's up to you. Yep. Exactly. 
Exactly. Then it's up to you to allocate the time. And it doesn't need to be every day. I mean, for the vast majority of people out there, if you put three hours a week on your calendar at working on the stuff that we're going to talk in this episode, you will see massive dividends in finding efficiencies and having more time to get to the things you need to get to. Yep. So I want to kind of get into the uh, a day and the life of a freight broker. And we're going to we're going to break it down morning, middle of the day, and then the afternoon. And again, keep in mind, this is not plug and play, cut and dry. There's so much subjectiveness that goes into everyone's different situation. For example, if you are brand new, you're not going to spend your mornings putting out fires because you don't have any customers yet, right? And also- Or any loads or problems. Yeah, exactly. Or if you just serve in a specific role, you're not going to be dealing with somebody else's role. Um, but we're going to talk about the the overall. So if you're a cradle to grave broker, which means you're doing everything from customer acquisition and prospecting to uh, booking loads, track and trace, calling carriers, um, dealing with issues at delivery and appointments and all that, we are going to hit on all of that stuff. So exactly. So day, right? Like you start your day, what are you going to do first, right? So first and foremost, you've got loads over the road. We'll go into the assumption that you have some business that's out there, right? Maybe not enough that it's a ton, but you've got some loads moving over the road. And then, I mean, like everybody else, you want to grow. So you need to have some prospecting in there. You need to be able to make sure you know that you're, where your trucks are. You've got to be able to check call those carriers. You have to be able to make sure you get your updates to your customers. You're going to need some time in there to generate leads to be prospecting generating leads to call tomorrow. The leads you should be calling today should have been generated yesterday. That's always yep. done a day in advance. Yep. Those are your basic things that need done every day. Absolutely. So typically in the morning, I like to just generalize this and say, you're, you're the first thing you do is you're putting out fires, right? Something that probably should have been taken care of an hour ago, but you either weren't in the office yet or you were asleep or whatever the case might be, we only have so many hours in the day, you've got to prioritize those hot items. So this could be a driver that's broken down. This could be a customer that has a load that needs to get moved ASAP because another broker had a carrier fall off of a load or whatever the case might be. So first thing up front, you're putting out fires in the morning, you're getting caught up on all the urgent stuff that's going on. And you know, typically Monday mornings tend to be extremely hectic because a lot of folks don't pay attention to their email or their phone over the weekend. And here's a tip and a good takeaway is, it doesn't hurt to spend 15 minutes on a Saturday or 15 minutes on a Sunday just to keep monitoring all of the traffic that's going through your email or your phone. Because you can do things like forward your phone to your cell phone on the weekend or have someone on call. Or I even, there's a really cool uh, plugin for a lot of the, the VoIP phone systems where it'll send you an email with a recording of any voicemails that come through so you can still stay on top of whatever's going on. And maybe you can handle it Saturday or Sunday, or if you know it can wait till Monday morning, you know right away the first things that you've got to take care of. Absolutely. So what you should do is you should have time blocked out between Friday and Monday, 15 to 20 minutes on Saturday, 15 to 20 minutes on Sunday, or at the very least one of those days we are going through to just making sure you don't have a disaster that you will find out about on Monday morning. Not Absolutely. saying you need to deal with it. Not saying that's you should drop your Sunday. You shouldn't be either. You shouldn't also just having notifications where you're answering these throughout the weekend. Like you work to be able to provide for the life you want. Enjoy that on the weekend. We're not suggesting you be on 24 seven. We're suggesting you block some time out between Friday and Monday to periodically check these things 
so then that you can arrange things for Monday before Monday arrives. Yep. Absolutely. And obviously now email, I'm going to cover, and I picked this up the other day was um, it's a great tip for email. And I never realized this, but they had gone through and they said, you know, the vast majority of people, when they go through their emails in the morning, they do this, they read every email and then they go about what they were doing. And then they go back through and read every email again. And then they reread most of the emails that came in every day, sometimes two, three or four times before they decide what they're going to do with it. And that is a tremendous waste of time. Yep. So what you should be doing is when you go through your emails in the morning, you should prioritize them or color code them. And a just quick tip that I've picked up is for me, green is it needs responded to urgently. So those are the ones you need to get to. My blue ones, they need responded to by the end of the day. My red ones need responded by the end of the week and yellow needs responded over the next two weeks. And that way I'm not constantly rereading my urgent to determine what I need to do next. I'm Let me doing ask that you this. the first time I go through that. Let me ask you this. Do you, do you read your emails in, in which order? Do you start at the bottom for the oldest ones first, or do you look at the newest ones first? Well, here's what's interesting. So in logistics, how you handle emails has a big, has a lot to do with how much time you're going to spend in emails. So what I learned was I start from the most recent because when I used to start from the oldest, I would start responding to some where I got yep. the answer later in my email. And yep. I was like, wait a minute. I was going to bring that up. Yeah. So it, it's a good thing. And there's, you know, there's conversation view and stuff in Outlook that you can do that'll, that'll group emails yep. together based on the subject. So that way it can prevent that if you do want to go in, in the, uh, from oldest to newest, but um, a quick skim through from the newest, you can read the entire thread and yep. it saves a lot of time. So now here's the second tip I've heard just along while we're on emails is emails are reciprocal, right? Like we respond when we get them and other people tend to respond when they get them from us, which is also why so many brokers are buried in their email, just reading their emails all day. And this one tip I think is genius. And it's when you are going to send your email realize that if you're going to send this at say nine in the morning, there's a pretty high probability that whoever you're emailing is going to respond right away. So what you're basically doing is creating more work by sending them without thinking about when the other person needs to read it. If you just take a moment before you send your email and you ask yourself, when would I want to respond to this if I were them? You don't need to just hit the send and send them out all at nine in the morning or all at eight in the morning or all at seven in the morning. You can delay your response. Like maybe you're just sending some updates to a customer. Delay that response maybe until they you want them to get it at nine in the morning. Or maybe some of the emails you're sending that you don't really want to jump into a conversation, but you want to get the response done and out of the way. So what I'll do is I'll click send and then I'll delay the send maybe for later in the afternoon, for like three in the afternoon when I know I've got time blocked to deal with that when they do respond. Yep. That's a good one. I never thought about that. I, I, I always forget about the, uh, the delay send feature that a lot of the um, email clients have. So, all right. So you get your, you get your um, flyers put out, any urgent loads that got to get covered, you, you can get worked on those. Um, you get to the late morning, middle of the day, and it's like, whew, I, I feel like I'm, I'm caught up now. What's the most effective thing to do? This is when a lot of folks are doing their track and trace. So you've got some loads that are maybe in day two of transit, day three of transit, depending on what's going on, um, check calls, right? And a lot of this is going to be determined and scheduled out prior, right? You might tell your driver, um, call me when you pick up, 
Call me when you're an hour out from delivery and call me twice a day, morning and afternoon, or, Hey, I'll give you a shot to check in with you, whatever the case might be. Um, so I think this is a great time for you to get kind of get caught up, make sure you've got just a, a good understanding of where all your loads are at. Is there any issues with them? Maybe you've got some other loads for the afternoon that you want to start working on and, and get scheduled, start to source carriers. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that? All right. So I, I think you made a really good point there, Nate, as it relates to check calls, right? I think the average broker asks their carrier to call them when they're checked in, when they're loaded and rolling, when they're checked in for delivery and when they're, you know, delivering clean, right? Now, when you stop and think about that for a minute, as we were talking about some email things that you can do that prevent having to react later, it's the same thing with check calls, right? So rather than asking your drivers to call you, which means at some point during the day, all of your loads are going to interrupt you at least once, if not twice a day. Now, we want to move away from being reactionary and closer towards being intentional about how we spend our time. Yep. So rather than ask them to call you, ask your drivers to shoot you a quick text message with the same update. Ask them to shoot you a quick email. And then that way, once you've reached out to them and they get in the habit of doing this, you can now turn off your notifications on your phone, go prospect for an hour. And then when you're done prospecting at your time, when you want to get to it, then you pick up your phone, then you go through your notifications. Yeah. You don't do it every time they come in. I love that because one of the other things we have in um, you know the middle of the day is depending on where you are in your you know career as a broker, prospecting is it's it's always important, but it might be even more heavily important early on in your career as you're building up a book of business. So you need to make sure you've got that time that you've got that time uninterrupted. And we've we've covered plenty of this in other episodes. So you know, make sure you check out our prospecting with a purpose and other prospecting episodes for more info on it, but you've got to make sure it's uninterrupted. So um, I absolutely love that. Now, the other thing too is don't forget that, you know, during that time, if you have your notifications off, you can work very, very intentional with your customers on whatever loads they have coming up for that afternoon or the next morning or the next couple of days, whatever it is. So you've got time that is not, you're not going to have to worry about being interrupted by, you know, a driver calling you or you feeling like you have to call a driver. It's huge. Agreed. And I think the biggest thing is, remember, it's human nature to avoid rejection. Like that should be no surprise to anybody out there. Like as humans, we don't like to be rejected, right? It's why dating apps have become popular because you don't have to do that face to face. It's the same thing with cold calling and sales. Like nobody wakes up and jumps out of bed and goes, boy, I can't wait to call 50 people that may or may not tell me to F off or hang up on me, right? Like that's not something we are just going to be driven to do. But if you can focus on it and you realize that that is the thing that is really going to get you closer to your goals, it's going to get you closer to financial freedom. It's going to get you to that book of business where you can start hiring other people. It is literally the key to really why you got in business in the first place. But when you ask the average broker how much time they actually get the prospect on any given day or any given week, there's nowhere close to what they set out to do. Yep. So the other thing I had in here too was, and this kind of bleeds over into the later in the afternoon is getting upcoming loads scheduled. The majority of the folks that I work with now, that is middle of the, well, late morning until the rest of their day. A lot of that time is spent getting loads covered to get moved the next day. What, what in your, in your experience with your, your book in the past and with your folks, the, the folks you're coaching currently, when do you typically recommend you should be 
working on loads that get covered that are not urgent for right now, but maybe later in the day or for the next morning or the next couple of days. So that's another good thing, right? Some questions to ask. First and foremost, when you're on the call with your customer and you're prospecting them, you want to ask them, does this have to move today? Or can we have a couple of days to get you a more favorable rate? If you are doing that consistently, you should be creating more options for yourself. Now to answer your question, when do you start working on these other loads? Because the reality is, is you're going to need to quote some things. You're going to need to spend time in DAT looking at rates. You can't just prospect and expect to have business. You've got to do the work behind it. And you've got to block out time for that too. Just like you said, as you get more customers, you got to spend more time learning their lanes, quoting them, sending back your rates and getting an idea on how price sensitive they are versus how urgent their loads need to be moved. There's always that trade-off between yep. those two things. Yep. And that's why we said that there's no, there's no perfect black and white answer here or like, you know, plug and play, um, you know, answer a situation for every broker because they're all different. They're all totally different. And it's yep. all subjective based on what your customer has in mind as far as it's got to go now or you know what? This can go in the next two days. If you can get a truck today, awesome. If you get a truck tomorrow, awesome. If it's yep. on, you know, Friday or Monday, that's fine. Well, well let's cover a that. A lot of times rates are, you know, a big in, impact on that as well. And you made a good point, right? Because we also didn't cover like when you should post up your loads, right? And if at all possible, you should be asking your customer at the end of today, what loads they may know about that they may have for tomorrow. Not necessarily so you can post them up today. Maybe they might say, hey, you know, we don't send them out until the day of. And if you just respond, hey, I just wanted to be able to get a jump on being able to get you some of the early trucks. What I think we should talk through is a little bit here is what happens in the trucking market? And this is why you post up at certain times. Beginning of the morning, you've got a lot of trucks that are looking for loads that delivered overnight, delivered late in the day yesterday. They're now fresh on hours. Or They're first thing in the morning loads. they delivered, right? First thing in the morning, right? The whole market, all of these dispatchers and drivers are calling through loads. They're shopping the market to see what is out there. So you've got to have your loads posted very early. And you should be refreshing these every two to three hours throughout the day if you've got a decent amount of loads available to you, because that's where you're going to get your trucks from. Absolutely. Um, and obviously, prospecting, we already hit on, which brings us into the afternoon. And, and to me, the afternoon tends to be one of the, the most common prospecting times for folks, whether it's two hours or your entire afternoon, it's all going to depend on what your situation looks like, right? Again, if you're if you're new, you're probably going to be prospecting the entire day, right? Or the majority of it. Whereas if you're seasoned, you've got a solid book. This is a good time for you to be prospecting, you know, additional loads out of your existing customers. Maybe making some of those calls with the, with the whales that you've got out there. What are your thoughts? Absolutely. I think a really good way to look at this is if you're very new, you should be spending about sixty percent of your time just dialing calling or sending emails, mostly calling and then following up to the same people you've called with emails to touch them in a few different ways. I think the other 30% of your time should be spent researching and creating lead lists to call later the next day or the day after. And I think about 10% of that time should be you going and then finding the rates for the prospects you've spoken to that are willing to send you their lanes that they're working on. That's Absolutely. really what your day should look like if yep. you're very, very new. And part of that finding rates involves talking to actual carriers. It's not yes. just doing research on rate view or anything else like that. This is actually talking to carriers and seeing what the market looks like. And you're not just shopping for rates. 
This is when you're also building relationships and building your carrier network up because you might not, they might not have, not have a truck available right now, but that still pays dividends down the road because you, now you've made contact with them. You may get them set up as a new carrier and onboarded in your system. You've got, you've got a point of contact. Well, I, and I always do this. One of my favorite exercises to do with people that are entering this industry, even if they don't even have their bond yet and they're not even active yet. I'm like, start prospecting just to get used to the habit of doing it, dealing with it and falling into it. You need to just start researching leads because both of those are skills in their own. The more you do them, the more you'll find what you're good at, the more you'll find places that you like to find leads and the more you'll find your own for each of those. Now, the third thing I always ask them to do, even before they're ready to open their doors is I'm like, once you start getting your, your lanes from your prospects, do exactly what you said. I'm like, go to DAT and literally try to cover those loads. Like block out an hour and see if you could cover it and see what it would cost you because that's going to show you what's actually happening in the market. Absolutely. So that that kind of covers the the day. Uh, again, what I want to reiterate is that this is not a hundred percent. It's not all the same. Because think about this, right? We talked about putting out fires first thing in the morning. Sometimes those fires don't pop up until four in the afternoon, right? So you've got to stay flexible and always be able to be you know, almost like a very, very fluid. You should be able to move very, very freely about your day. Now, at the same time, maybe after you put a fire out in the morning, you could also use that time on the phone with your customer to schedule some or help find out additional upcoming lanes that they have, or maybe stay on the phone for five, 10 minutes and prospect with them, build that relationship and try to figure out either some referrals from other folks, um, maybe talk about upcoming projects they have, whatever the case might be. It's all time dependent, but this stuff can bounce back and forth throughout your day. So stay super flexible and just, and, it should. And, under, and understand the job of a freight broker is, is not, you're not a banker that's nine to five and you're going to be doing, you know, Hey, I'm at the teller station for two hours. Then I go on break and then I take my lunch and then I'm back there. No, this is, it is absolutely insane. And if you haven't, I always tell people, if you're new at it or you're thinking about getting into it, shadow somebody for a day, right? Yes. It may not be for you or you may love it. And, and that's the thing. I, I think what's important to remember is you have to stay fluid, absolutely, but fluid without being reactionary. Like, yes, you're going to have to stop doing what you're doing from time to time to answer the phone or to deal with an issue. But you also kind of want to look at your a little longer period than just a day. So for instance, and prospecting is an easy way to look at this because some days you're not going to get to nearly as much, if any prospecting. And that's why even we will work with our clients. It's not, Hey, did you make your 60 calls today? And then wrap them on the hands with a ruler. If they don't, we look at it on a weekly basis and go, Hey, okay. In five days, if your goal is to call 50 people a day, that's 250 a week. Let's call it 200. Give yourself some flexibility that one day you're probably going to have some issues and you probably won't make it to it. So if you can look at your week as a whole and you're getting close to these things, you know you're on the right track. Yep. Because as you said, it's fluid and you've got to be able to respond to the demands of your customers. That's the value of a brokerage to a shipper. Yep. And I, I like that, looking at it on a weekly basis and even a monthly basis too, because at the end of the day, you're usually getting paid either weekly or monthly on your commission. So as long as the numbers all average out there, that's going to be good because some people, they'll kill it one day and they might do five, six, seven K in profit in, in a single day because they covered yep. 10 loads, but they might have another day where they only covered one or maybe nothing. Well, I had a client. So Monday, 7,500 on Monday, first time. Yep. In fact, this client was averaging about four to six K a week. So it was a huge Monday for this guy. He's been in brokerage. Honestly, he's been in there five months now. So really pretty young too. 
Um, but killed it Monday, but Tuesday burned out, couldn't get the prospecting because you know why he put that many trucks over the road Monday that he had a lot of issues, a lot of check calls Tuesday, a lot of, he had a couple fallouts. There are issues that are going to happen when you book more trucks. Yep. So Tuesday and Wednesday didn't get the prospecting, but that's okay because he was aware of it. And when he reached out and he said, Hey, you know, Monday was great. Tuesday was really good operationally. I didn't get to my prospecting, but he knew he wasn't, but he was sure of it. Right. And then yep. Wednesday, Hey, I'm working towards it, Ben. Now Thursday came along. He had a great Thursday. He was back in his activity. And that's what matters that you're doing the right things over time. Yep. And even the, the day of the week in general can be a lot different. Like I said, Mondays can be a lot of handling issues in the morning. Friday could be a lot of scheduling stuff that happens over the weekend. So it's all, it's a big balance. That's why I said, this is just an average, a rough average day in the life. Uh, they're all going to be different. I don't know a single person that would ever tell you that they've had two days that are identical <laughs> as a freight broker. So no. And I think, I think the other thing to take away and something else that came up in coaching, I did this yesterday with a client is most people aren't aware of how long things take them. And I think a great habit to get into is to occasionally start writing down or just glancing at the clock when you're going to start to do something to see how long these things take you yep. so that you can use a tool like a calendar. Because once you start running freight, guess what? The next thing is going to be added to that list that's also time consuming invoicing. Oh, yeah. Most people don't have any idea how long it takes them to do invoice one load, how long it should take. And as they grow, they go, Well, I don't have time to prospect and I don't know where my time's going. That's where it's going to go. Yeah. And if you're, um, you know, if you're a, a single one person, licensed broker that's doing all of it, don't try to invoice every single time a carrier sends an invoice in. Batch that together at the end of your yes. day when you've got free time, right? And th that's Batch. one thing we did not hit on here is, you know, these are these are the sales and operational portions that we hit on today. Um, if you're doing things like invoicing or um, really the, I, I don't want to call them non-revenue generating because invoicing leads to receiving the money, but it's- they're administrative tax. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. their back office administrative tasks. They should not be done during the time when you can actually be doing tasks that will make you money and produce revenue for your business. So you, you brought up a calendar. I wanted to hit on a few tools here to help you guys out throughout your day before we get into our Q&A here. The calendar is a big one. If you're not using calendar functionality in Outlook or G Suite or whatever um, email platform that you're using- you need to be, you need to start using your calendar. This can be for scheduling calls that are upcoming with prospects, right? A lot of times if you're working with a large shipper and it's, it might take you 12 to 18 months to get into their um, procurement operation, um, you're going to have some scheduled calls, right? And it might, it might be a scheduled call where you're not even talking. You're just one of a hundred people listening to them put out their information for their quarterly uh, RFP or whatever the case might be, right? Or their bid. So and that's exactly right. these like, out and don't miss those. And that's the thing, right? So like, you're not, I, and this is my opinion. I'm by no means is this a standard, but I've always kind of felt like when you're first starting to prospect, you're pretty much calling them whenever you've got time as you get further along in your career. And as you said, like you start trying to prospect larger companies, ones that have like, they're like corporations, right? With many, many people in their transportation departments you should start to schedule those calls because yep. that's how those people operate. You should yep. always be operating the way that people you're serving are operating. Absolutely. Yep. hundred um, percent. So calendar is huge. Uh, I had CRM and TMS listed in here. So uh, CRM, the customer relationship management system, we've talked about this in detail in other episodes and we've got a big, uh, a really good big lesson in our 
Freebroker Basics course that's about to launch that's, that hits on a lot of these tools. The CRM is huge. If you're not using one, you need to. And a lot of times it's integrated into your TMS. If you're a standalone broker, um, probably not integrated into it unless you've got a, a really nice TMS that has it. Um, but this is great to help you record information that happened on your calls or to you know schedule follow-up calls with certain prospects and just kind of maintain all that information so you don't have a hundred sticky notes all over your computer or all over your desk. Or so a thousand Excel, Excel sheets all over oh, your yeah. home screen every time yep. you're calling through a different lead list. Yep. Oh man, I, I operated off of a Excel list the first like, eh, it was like four to five months um, working at a brokerage and I finally was like, we, you know, we need to find a CRM that's actually good. We had a CRM, it sucked and Excel was honestly more effective for me than the one we had. Uh, but we found a good CRM and I use HubSpot currently. It's, it's great. It has email integration. It has calendar scheduling functionality into it. It's, it's amazing. So make sure you got a good one. The other thing is the TMS. And this is going to save you time with a lot of your operational stuff. So logging check calls with drivers, GPS integration. So if you've got macro point or truckers tools or whatever G- GPS tool out there, a lot of times it'll integrate right in there. Did you see the uh, press release today? DAT just announced partnership with Four Kites, which I believe they're going to be having some direct integration with carrier visibility going that's forward. Awesome. That's that's really cool. And um, another thing too, speaking of DAT and integration is you mentioned keeping your loads refreshed. Sometimes you, if you have a TMS that's a little outdated or kind of just basic level, you have to post and then manually refresh, or you may not even be posting through your TMS. You might have to go right to DAT or any other load board to do it. If you have a TMS that can auto post out to the boards when you build a load and then auto refresh it every 30 or 60 minutes, that saves you that much time and that money Huge clicks. Time saver. It's just, it is just, it's on autopilot. It's amazing. It's funny when I show folks TMS that we use at Pierce and um, I've shown people TMSs in the past and they're like, wait, I don't have to go to the load boards and post myself and refresh myself and pull it down when I'm done. It's like, no, you build the load, it auto posts out to the load boards. It'll auto refresh every hour until you assign a carrier to that load in the system and it'll automatically pull it down. It's awesome. That's pretty cool. So speaking of saving time, our friends over at Lean Staffing Solutions, right? We were down there last week. Craig Riggs. If you're looking, if you're looking to be able to save some time, and we're going to cover this in a minute, the stages at which you should be looking to hire to be able to get some more time in your day. But the reality is, is it's hard to hire. It's time consuming. So is training and bringing on effective people for whatever that role is your brokerage needs. And that's what Lean is able to do for you. They do this and they do it well with a nearshore option out of Columbia, where they are not only hiring and bringing on good quality talent just outside the US, but they're training them in a way that they are actually effective and usable once you bring them on, which I think is a big differentiator from trying to do this on your own. Yeah. And I think what was cool, and if you, I mean, I would just recommend if that's the the stage of your brokerage that you're at, listen to episode 89 that we did with Trey Griggs from Lean Solutions Group last week. He talks all throughout that process. They are not going to tell you who you need to hire, what role they're going to be in and when. They're going to ask you questions, find out your goals, and then give you suggested solutions. They're not going to shove anything down your throat. So yep. that, that episode alone is it's an eye-opener for a lot of people. We I had folks reach out to me after hearing it and um, they loved it. So check them out leangroup.com. And as always, there is a link in our show notes that you can get to that as well. So uh, three questions here for QA. 
Uh, first question, it's a should the broker pay detention question. So here's the situation. The broker had an appointment time set for the carrier. It was at 1 p.m. in the afternoon. The driver arrived 15 minutes prior at 1245, but was there for almost four and a half hours and left at 420. So typically, what do we say? About two hours is like that free time. That's usually the industry standard. Two hours. Um, and then it sounds like they were there for you know four and a half hours and they're wondering, should the broker pay attention on this low with the driver being there that long? So, so we're missing hours, some inter- three hours, 35 minutes, just, that what it was? Okay. and this is important, right? So from 1245 to 420, about three and change, right? You get two hours free. Anything above and beyond that needs to come from your shipper. Yes. So well, really when it says should broker pay attention, it's should the broker be getting detention paid for by the, uh, by the shipper, which yeah. would then pass through to the driver's pay. The, the thing that we don't know here is, did something happen? Was there a driver dispute that slowed them down? Did the driver check in at the wrong spot? Did the driver have the wrong equipment type? We don't know. But assuming the driver did everything right and they still were there for three and a half hours or three hours and change, absolutely, detention's got to be paid. Just the way that- Yeah, you think about it, where does the responsibility lie? The responsibility did not fall on the carrier. They did what they were supposed to. The responsibility shouldn't fall on the broker. You did what you were supposed to do. You guys have no control over how long it actually takes to load. And by the way, this isn't just a negative. If there wasn't a cost to this, shippers wouldn't be incentivized to want to load the trucks faster to get yep. them back on the road. So it's a vital aspect of transportation. Absolutely. All right, next question. Do back solicitation clauses actually hold up for a broker-carrier agreement? All right. It's a good question. So most brokers, and we recommend it, is in your broker-carrier agreement, so when you contract that carrier, it will, t- it will state that the carrier cannot back solicit your shipping customers directly, right? Other, I mean, if that weren't the case, then why would brokers exist, right? It's basically a carrier poaching the broker's customers off of them. Now, this typically is more of a, I don't want to call it a scare tactic, but it's more of an industry standard to put in there to, to be able to more so threaten Deter. any kind of legal thing than anything. But at the end of the day, here's the way I look at it. If it, let's say you were to try and go and sue a carrier for back soliciting your customer and then your customer gets involved in it, you think that customer is going to want to keep working with you if now you're in the middle of a legal mess? No. I mean, if you're... You should be keeping your customers happy enough that they want to work with you directly. And it's not going to matter if some carrier goes and prospects them behind your back. It's the same thing with, um, you know, let's say someone else in your company tries to prospect your customer and steps on your toes. You know, at the end of the day, your customer's relationship should be with you and they're not going to care about someone else calling on them or any other brokerage calling on them or whatever the case might be. So um, do they hold up? They might, but do you really want to go down that road? It's more of a formality to have in a, in a broker carrier agreement. What do you think, Ben? I agree. I, it's more of a, it's to deter it from actually happening. Yep. The real repercussion is if you find out this happens, usually the shipper won't work with a carrier and usually the brokerage should just never do business with yep. that carrier again. Blacklist and that's that really the deterrent. Like that's what keeps people from doing this. Yep. And most TMSs in your carrier section of there where you manage all your active carriers, you can select a carrier and mark them as like do not dispatch or no load or blacklisted. They're, they're called different things in different platforms, but you can do that. You can add notes in if, if it happens. Same thing with double brokering. If that happens, you know, 
mark that down. Don't use that carrier again. That simple. So, all right. Final question. How have broker margins been lately? I've only been getting eight to 12% recently. So this depends, man. I was in Pierce's asset terminal and just South of Orlando last week on Friday, got to sit down with one of our larger uh, brokers there that, you know, he does a lot of reefer freight and it's produce season, man. It is, it is nuts. So he's getting beat up. He is seeing like 10% margins in his situation. And he's paying like five bucks a mile for reefers right now. It's, it's absolutely insane. But our conversation led to, he's like, this happens every year and come summertime, I'll make that up by getting 25% on a lot of those loads. And exactly. it all kind of goes full circle. And, but other, other folks that aren't dealing with that same regional issue, I've got folks that are making 25, 30% right now based on them just being able to find capacity for their customers. So it all depends. It is. Yeah. And I mean, the market's definitely tight in some areas. So you're seeing some margins. I saw, I was looking at a routing guide yesterday there, this brokerage, pretty big. They were like 18 to 22 was their average across. But like you said, as you see rates climb, like the actual cost to the carrier, obviously the shippers are trying to manage their cost as much as possible. So they're going to fight a little more to get a little more give back from the brokers. So you should be earning a little less percentage but dollar wise, yep. you should be earning more because it's a bigger dollar amount that percentage gets applied against. Think, think about the one I just gave you, right? If you're paying five bucks a mile for a reefer right now, when it's usually two bucks a mile, but and you're only making 10% margin, that's 10% margin on two and a half X the cost. It's much more money. So yeah. But then he makes it up if he makes 25% later in the year. It's when they come back down, exactly. Same dollar amount. So yep. think about it. 25% margin on, I'm just going to give you an average number, on $1,000 is $250, bucks, right? 25% margin on $1,000. Whereas if it's 2.5x, so what's 10% of $2,500? $250. It's the yep. same. But the margin's thinner, which obviously you're making a smaller percentage and it goes into your bottom line and all this, everything that goes into it. But you know, at the end of the day, it all balances out. Um, you don't want to hover at those low margins long-term. It'll, it'll eat at your bottom line. Good question. Though. Absolutely. Good stuff. Good episode, man. That was, uh, that's good. You know, every, every broker's day is a little bit different, but um, you know, I'm, I'm ho- hopefully this can give some folks that are newer, a little bit of insight, shed some light on what their job should look like. And if you're not scheduling your day out the way that we set it, it may not be the, the best prescribed way, but just put some intentionality behind what your day looks like. Don't just kind of shoot from the hip and go by the you know, see your pants. You, you, you want to make sure you've got some intentionality and some planning and some time blocked out for different tasks. That's the big takeaway. Absolutely. It, it's really just thinking about intentionality. What are the things that you know you need to get done in your business to get to where you want to go? Yep. And the more you're able to steer the ship, the less likely, the more likely you are to get where you want to go. And I mean, yeah. that's the overriding principle, right? That's it, man. So you got any, any final thoughts, Ben? Episode 90, that's a big one, man. 10 to go until we're at the uh, Century, Century. Century Club, man, you know? Yep. Just congratulations to Phil and whether you believe, and this is a great instance of it at 50 years old, right? I had so many people that I was watching talking about Phil, even after Saturday saying that he wasn't going to be able to hold it through Sunday. I mean, whether you believe you can or believe you can't, you're right. Until next time, go Bills. 
That wraps up this episode of Freight 360. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to check out all the other episodes for even more great content. Check out the show notes for links to any articles and content that we referenced on this episode. Visit us on the web at www.freight360.net. And if you'd like to learn more about a new home for your agency, contact me directly. And if you'd like to learn more about me coming out to run a free complimentary sales training for your team, check me out on LinkedIn or again at www.freight360.net.